The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, July 9th, 2023, on the basis of verses from Numbers chapter 11. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. It was eight and a half years ago, and I remember exactly how I felt. Senior year of high school, our basketball team had just beaten our biggest rival on their home floor off of a shot that bounced around the rim and went in at the last second. And this was a game that we were expected to lose by 20 or more. I remember everyone running back to the locker room. Everyone's high-fiving and hugging and celebrating, having this all-time high high school moment. That is everyone but me. I hope I hit it well. I probably didn't, but I was disgusted. I was angry because I didn't get to play in the second half. Can you imagine that? I had actually played so poorly in the first half that our coach put in a sophomore (laughs) instead of me. And it worked. We won. It was the right move. That was a long ride home for my mom. Filled with me lamenting and complaining how it's not fair. And when we got home, she looked at me and said, What is wrong with you? Get over yourself. You know, not everything's about you, right? Ever been there? Someone else gets the credit when it should have been you. Someone else gets that promotion. Someone else gets recognized. Someone else gets that success. Someone else makes that team when it should have been you. Or maybe you have to realize, you know what, it really shouldn't have been you, even when you thought it should have, and you have to swallow that pill, and you get jealous. Well, that's exactly how Joshua felt in Numbers chapter 11. And we see in this really fascinating, quite frankly bizarre text that that Joshua is jealous and his wise teacher Moses, our wise teacher as well, just doesn't give him a lecture, doesn't get in his face, just asks a really brilliant question. The theme for today. Are you jealous? But in order to understand Numbers chapter 11, you have to understand the context of Numbers as a whole. Uh, This is about a year or so after the Israelites make their miraculous escape from slavery in Egypt. They are in the desert, led by Moses, on the way to the promised land. And at this point, things are going poorly. It's almost as if the Israelites had never seen all the wonderful things God did for them in Egypt, the the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea to escape from Pharaoh's army. And now they're saying things like, Well, I guess God just wants us to die. I guess he's going to have us starve to death. Meanwhile, they pick up manna again, bread from heaven, from God, every single day. Didn't matter. And they take all of their complaints to Moses. 
And you have to remember, you know, Moses is kind of really the only main leader of Israel right now. He's their president, he's their pastor, he's their court, he's everything to them. And it's to a point where Moses can't handle it. And he actually tells God that he would rather just die. He'd rather die than deal with these people for another day. And, and luckily, God doesn't give him what he asks for. Instead, God tells Moses to pick 70 people from the nation of Israel, 70 people that he thinks would serve as good leaders, 70 people that Moses can delegate some of his duties on. And you know who's really thrilled at this? Joshua. Remember, before Joshua becomes the great leader of Israel who leads them into the promised land, Joshua was Moses' protege, his right-hand man, and probably Moses' only friend. And so when Joshua hears that Moses is going to get help from 70 people, well, he's thinking, I wonder what he's going to put me in charge of. And so you can imagine the scene. Moses goes to each person individually, one by one, and says, yeah, we need you, and yeah, we need you. And Joshua is standing at his side thinking, oh yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That guy, okay. And he's thinking every single time, well, I'm sure I'm next. No? Oh, well, I'm sure I'll be chosen next. Well, no, okay, well, I'm sure I'm next. And 70 people later, Joshua doesn't get picked. If that weren't bad enough, Moses has the 70 elders of Israel stand around the tabernacle, their, their place of worship and where God's presence was. And the cloud of God's presence descends on them. And his Holy Spirit enters the 70 elders and they start prophesying. Literally, that's what the Hebrew says. We're not exactly sure what is going on here. It's probably not that they were just standing there telling the future to each other. Uh, some commentators say that this is like an earlier form of speaking in tongues. We're not sure what exactly happened, but it is obvious that this is a supernatural phenomenon that shows everyone watching that it is God who has chosen these people to be the leaders of Israel. Which means that not only did Moses not pick Joshua, God didn't pick Joshua. And if that weren't bad enough, Eldad and Medad, two jokers that couldn't even be bothered to show up to this kind of important event, well, they start prophesying too. Two people who certainly did not deserve the Holy Spirit, did not deserve to be in a leadership position in Israel, they are chosen by God as well. And at that point, Joshua has had enough. Joshua is jealous. Ever been there? Now, normally when we think of jealousy, we think of it in terms of, I'm, in je I'm jealous of my neighbor's car. I'm jealous of that person's job. I'm jealous of that person's marriage. But we don't often talk about jealousy over the gifts and the positions given by the Holy Spirit. It is an essential Christian truth that the Holy Spirit gives gifts, spiritual gifts, to each and every single person. Christian, but not every single person gets the same gift, and not in the same capacity. But he gives each and every single person gifts so that they can be a blessing to the Christians and the people around them. 
And you, you've probably seen it. Some people have the gift of generosity. Right? They can give and give and give, and it actually gives them joy to give everything they have. Some people have the gift of kindness. They can be kind, to, especially to the people who don't deserve it. Some people have the gift of evangelism. They can go up and talk to anyone about Jesus, and it's not awkward or weird. Some people have the gift of preaching and teaching. Some people have the gift of leadership. They can make good, wisely, godly decisions and administrate among God's people. All kinds of gifts the Holy Spirit gives to Christians so that the Bible talks about the body of Christ, each and every single member doing a different thing to bless each other. And it's a beautiful thing. And God gives Christian leaders the responsibility to recognize the spiritual gifts among God's people and then to put them in places and positions where they can be the biggest blessing to the biggest amount of people. And God actually says that when the church puts people into a position to serve someone else, God affirms that position. He blesses that choice, just like he did with Moses. God lets Moses choose the 70, but then God affirms that choice. And that's all great. But what happens when I, I don't agree with what the Christian leaders have decided? What happens when I, I don't like the position that I've been put in? I think I'd fit better somewhere else. I think I should be doing that thing instead of that person. Well, why do they get to be pastors but not me? Well, why was he asked to be on, on that committee but not me? Well, why did pastor ask her to talk to that new person but not me? Well, why did God give her the ability to be so kind but not me? Well, why is God doing all of these things through all of these people but not me? What about me? We get jealous. We get angry because God's not working the way that we want him to. We get depressed because if I'm not given abilities and gifts that I think are important and I'm not given a position that I think is important, then I guess I must not be important. And we see all the ways that God is working through people, all the ways that God is using people that aren't us, and we just wish God would stop. Stop gifting, stop working through people because he's not doing it the way we want him to. And that's exactly what happened with Joshua. And Joshua and Moses' dialogue here is a little fascinating, especially in Hebrew, because it can be taken a few different ways. First off, Joshua goes to Moses and... There's a polite way to talk to your elders in Hebrew, and there's a direct way. And, and Joshua goes the direct way. He's not saying, my Lord, you know, maybe we should stop. No, he says, stop them! And Moses' answer is just brilliant. And it can be taken uh, uh, two different ways. Literally, it says, uh, are you jealous to me? So that could mean, uh, Joshua, are, are you jealous that every, those people get to be leaders but not you? Well, get over yourself, Joshua. It's not about you. Or it could be taken as, uh, Joshua, are, are you jealous for, 
for me? Are you jealous for my sake? Are you upset that uh, I'm not the only leader in Israel? I'm not the only prophet? I'm not the only one that sees God's face? You really think I care that, that I'm the only one that, that gets to talk to God? I wish everyone were a prophet. I wish everyone had the gift that I had. It's not about me. It is about God's will being done. And Joshua, we're just lucky enough to get to see it. You know what's fascinating? Uh, elsewhere in Scripture, uh, Moses is inspired by the Holy Spirit to actually write about himself, quote, and Moses was the most humble man in all the earth. And, th and that's not a weird, humble brag. He, 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 it was true. And if you think about that, that is astounding. Because uh, other than Jesus himself, do you know any person in the Bible with as much fame, as much influence, as much power, as many gifts as Moses? How is it that God's most gifted, powerful, famous servant is also his most humble servant? How is that? Because Moses understands an essential Christian truth that Joshua does not. And that essential truth is this. In God's kingdom, in God's family, the church, a person's worth, a person's value has nothing to do with their gifts or their positions or whatever it is they bring to the table. I'll say that again. In God's family, a person's value does not depend on what they bring to the table. So then, where does your worth come from? What is your worth? Priceless invaluable so valuable that even as Jesus was in heaven surrounded by angels praising his name surrounded in glory and honor and perfection he looked down and saw sinners like you and said I want them more and so your almighty creator became your servant and became one of you just like you a human being and was willing to suffer the whips and the humiliation and the spit in his face and the fires of hell itself as he was crucified for your sins. He was willing to give up his own life for you all so he could have you. That is your value to him. That is your worth to him. Infinitely valuable. Infinitely priceless each and every single one of you, equally and infinitely valuable. Which therefore means that every single thing you do for him, whether it's big or small, seen or unseen, is infinitely and equally valuable. A, a gospel sermon given by a pastor to a, a congregation on a Sunday is in God's eyes infinitely valuable, just like when a mom sings Jesus loves me, this I know, to her little children. Just like 
when that one guy in Bible class raises his hand and asks really insightful, good questions that benefit everyone else, just like when that person uh, greets the new people coming into church and makes them feel welcome, all of that is equally and infinitely valuable and meaningful and beautiful in God's eyes. In your sermon series uh, the last few Sundays, you've been talking about ministry, right? The, the public ministry. And usually uh, when we think about ministry, we think about, right, the public ministry, pastor, teacher, staff minister, and so on. And, and that's absolutely true. But the Bible also teaches something that we call the priesthood of all believers. And, and what that essentially means is that if you are a Christian and you know who your Savior is, and you know what he has done for you, and you know what's going to happen to you when you die, well, then you have a ministry. You are a minister in, in a real sense. You have a Christian ministry. And, and maybe your ministry isn't uh, preaching a 20 plus a minute sermon on Sundays, sorry. Maybe your ministry is to your spouse who desperately needs to hear love and forgiveness from you. Maybe your ministry is to your children going to be deeply shaped and formed spiritually by you probably or by you, your, the parents, than by any pastor. Maybe your ministry is to your family members, who, if they were to die today, would probably be in hell. And if they don't hear about Jesus from you, who are they going to hear it from? Maybe your ministry is to your friends or your neighbors, who are crippled under guilt and need to about a God who would forgive them freely. Maybe your ministry is to someone here who's hurting and needs to be embraced, who needs to be loved, who needs compassion, and if not you, who else? Every single one of you has a ministry. Therefore, don't be jealous. You don't need to be. Embrace your gift. Embrace your ministry. Embrace your position. And know that whatever it is you do for God, it is in His eyes infinitely precious, infinitely beautiful, infinitely meaningful. Because in his eyes, what? Amen.